So I'm here with the EOS DAC team. I'm here with Luke Stokes, Sarah McKenna, and Michael Yates. Uh, why don't we go around the room here and everyone just give a quick introduction. Instead of asking the typical question of how did you get into blockchain, the question will be how did you get into DAX? What, what led you to, to, to where you're at today? I guess I'll go first. Uh, my name is Luke Stokes. I, I got excited about DAX when I first started seeing posts from Dan Larimer and Vitalik talking about this concept of a mechanism for consensus that doesn't involve the existing systems of like violence and stuff. A, a community that can come together, make their own rules and trust that those rules are gonna work and function. And uh, that naturally led me into it, it, things like EOS DAX. So I'm, I'm very excited to see it actually come from an idea on a blog post to something in the real world. Yeah, so I'm Michael Yates. Um, I first started thinking about DAX when I was trying to write a DAP on Ethereum, and uh, it would require some uh, sort of moderation. And I started thinking about how can we elect moderators, and then I started working on uh, Ethereum projects. And uh, it just just doesn't work. It's it's too slow to too slow and expensive. So I found EOS at just the right time. Um, and it seems like a perfect fit and it's actually very needed in the because of the modifiable code. So, um, yeah, it just, it just fit very well. So I jumped in. I uh, started, so I'm Sarah McKenna. Um, I got interested in crypto uh, after having become alienated with the world of corporate finance, uh, which was what I was in before. Um, and just seeing that we needed something radically different from that and you know being interested to disrupt what was existing and then uh, it was a friend of mine who was working on the project and started to talk to me about this token um, and it all sounded a bit nutty which I liked and uh, I just began to get involved looking at the constitution and looking at certain aspects and then began to you know move closer to the center of the project. What exactly? Is, so, Luke, you mentioned Dan Larimer got you uh, in, interested originally in DAX, and he's basically for for those who don't know, isn't he like the godfather, grandfather of DAX? He kind of coined the term decentral decentralized autonomous company, like before anyone did, like back in twenty fourteen. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different people that have been talking about this idea, you know, and some people call Bitcoin the first DAC as an example, and they talk about it as the decentralized almost organism, this entity that kind of lives on regardless of, you know, day-to-day -day human interaction. It kind of, as long as you feel the time and attention uh, at the very base levels, it keeps functioning. But yeah, he, uh, I watched as he was doing proto shares and angel shares and, you know, the, the first version of BitShares, the second version of BitShares. And it was kind of like a little too complicated for me to fully get it. But then when Steam came around, I was like, oh man, this is a blockchain anyone can use. I get it. I can, I can, I can blog on a blockchain. Amazing. So I got involved in Steam in 2016, in, in the summer of 2016. And, and then I got more familiar with Dan's stuff, his technology. I eventually became a, a witness, a block producer on Steam. And then when EOS came out, I was just kind of fully embracing this concept of like what DAX and DAOs are. And at that point, I read a lot of Vitalik's posts about it as well. And he, he went into a deep dive. And of course, the DAO is a, is a story that people know about where, uh, you know, as we were talking about before the show started, people in this space are somewhat uh, impatient. You know, they want everything to happen immediately and right away. And unfortunately, these, you know, millions of dollars can be lost if things aren't done uh, correctly. And so my, my background is I ran an e-commerce company for more than 10 years. And we dealt with, you know, over a billion dollars processed through our network. So security is like a big deal, you know. And so when when the the concept of EOS and its really complicated permission systems, you know, but also advanced and, and powerful permission systems 
was uh, explained and, and Michael, you know, played a huge role in that really, even not just for your stack, but for the community, explaining how this stuff could be used to prevent DAO type attacks. And so that enabled us to confidently build DAC software and know that it could be protected and protect the users. Whenever you guys came to EOSIO, whenever you decided to start EOS DAC, is this basically the first time that anyone could actually execute on a DAC? And that's why we're kind of getting into uncharted territory here because we could finally execute on a lot of these ideas that have been kind of brewing over the last few years? Yeah, I think so. I think um, you, the permission system of EOS is the core of the, the DAC. It's what runs everything. So without that, you could potentially write it yourself in Ethereum, but the gas costs for every vote and every action is just going to be insane. So not really practical at all. Um, I, I think related to that, even the BitShares model was kind of really one of the first I think of as examples of a functioning DAC or DAO because the, the, you know, they had worker proposal system. They had an elected board of like commissioners separate from the block producers who would make decisions on budgets and things like that. And it was a really beautiful example. And it had the sophisticated level of permissions, not as sophisticated as EOS, but, but still a multi-sig, still the ability to have uh, multiple accounts involved in securing a specific account. Um, but what it didn't have is the ability to generically create them. You know, it was like, that was just a very specific use case for a decentralized exchange product or service and, and EOS enabled, and Steam in, in a way had some of that as well, but EOS enables just generic DAX for anything. And so the way I describe DAX to people today um, is a group of people with a shared goal and any group of people with a shared goal can essentially benefit from the transparency and the accountability and everything that's involved in putting these things on a, chain, on a blockchain and having your own token to represent governance or represent decision-making abilities by those with skin in the game. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see this influence the nonprofit worlds, the startups and businesses and service providers, and then of course, uh, eventually actually governments as well. And I got to speak about that uh, yesterday at Crypto Mondays here in Puerto Rico, and it was, Pretty fantastic because, you know, this is a group of people here on the island that are, are there, as you've been probably noting, they, they want some change. They want something new. And they're very, very interested in DAC technology as potentially being a solution we can use for, for actual governance. I, I believe, aren't one or some of you involved with uh, Liberland? Are they doing anything with, with the EOS DAC toolkit you're working on? Yeah, they are. Hopefully, we will be using the EOS DAC toolkit and the contracts for the government elections. Um, and then on top of that, we will allow um, DAC registration in Liberland um, as like a company registration. So we'll use all the same software. Probably the DAC factory software will be used there. Um, yeah, it's going to be hundreds and thousands of DACs potentially and uh, registered in Liberland. That's awesome. One of the really exciting things with that is is that we have the opportunity, hopefully, to design what is required by DACs from you know, as opposed to DACs having to retrofit themselves into existing legal and judicial systems, there is a sense in which there can be some um, design, you know, of the legislative framework from the bottom up to be DAC friendly. Although that still has to interface with existing, like corresponding banking systems and so on. So, you know, if you're going to be a if you're going to be a DAC registered in Liberland, you still probably want to be able to get a bank account somewhere, maybe, or get insurance somewhere, so or be able to write contracts that other counterparties are happy to sign with you, domiciled in that jurisdiction. So, you know, there's many complex issues, and it's really exciting to have, um, you know, a place uh, and a judicial framework within which we can start to actually solve some of these problems. 
So Michael, you mentioned DAC factory. I want to get into that because that was kind of like the catalyst for me wanting, wanting to talk to you guys because we've been reading about DAX and hearing about DAX for years, but it's, it seems like it's starting to pick up and you guys are, are making it easier. And what you guys are doing is making a DAC automator, like a, a, literally a DAC factory. It'll eventually be like a, a point-click interface to get this thing deployed. It's kind of started with me being so incredibly excited about this that I just wanted to see it start happening. So I just started taking all the different commands that we have to run manually and just trying to run them all. And it, the first time it took me an entire day, solid, just at my computer trying to do it. And then I was like, okay, wow, I did it. I got it to actually work. And then I was like, okay, what if I do it and record myself doing it as kind of a tutorial? And that may have been the video you saw. It was like an hour and a half long. It was literally just an hour. And I even cut out some compile times in, in that video. And so I was like, okay, I did it again. And then I was like, okay, what if I took all these scripts now that I've kind of organized them and put them in like a shell script? And that's where the kind of the original DAC factory uh, started with. Um, and, and these are all part of the plan of where we were going from the very beginning. But I just kind of took the initiative to try to just see if I could do it. Because I also wanted to provide... DAX for friends of mine who want them. And, and I wanted a way that they could start playing on the Jumbo test network. And so from there, you know, we, we've, we've had some very important infrastructure level things that have to be done, table migrations and working on the worker proposal system and other different core things that had to be done. And the DAC factory was always kind of, once we get this done, then we could focus on that. And we're just now getting into that, uh, into that right phase. And so essentially the DAC factory is going to be not complicated scripts or not different things you have to manage, such as you know, there are multiple endpoints and actual server infrastructure required. These are things that take data from the blockchain, process it, put it into a database that you can access from an API that's available for the front end interface. That's all very complicated stuff that most people don't want to deal with. The DAC factory is going to essentially be a hosted solution provider for DAX. And so you can essentially have this beautiful interface. You put in, a, you know, answer a few questions. How many custodians you want? What's the name of your token? How many tokens do you want to mint? Um, you know, what, what's your authority account? And what's your owner account? You know, these are basic accounts that make it all run. And then you click, you know, go ahead and you send EOS over so we can pay for RAM and CPU and bandwidth and stuff that these accounts will create for you. And then we'll uh, basically institute and install the smart contract code and then host the front end client, host the API processor, the API filler and the API for the client. You know, do all that for yourself and hopefully at a, at a, at a pretty reasonable price, cheaper than it would cost you if you were to hire technical support and actually go and, you know, buy the servers yourself to host all that stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's really a factory for just creating DAX and hopefully going to be one that's super easy, much, much easier than setting up a company or a nonprofit or anything like that. You just click through and all of a sudden you have a framework where your community can engage and participate in governance. So whenever, if someone wants to start a DAC using your toolkit, there, there's different components. So, so you, there's an underlying token with any token design you want. Yeah, you can bring your own token contract entirely. You don't have to use our token contract. So as long as it's compatible with our custodian contract, then you can use any token contract that you like. I'm working with a group now that, that wants staking, for example. And so what they're gonna do is basically take the pieces of our token contracts, such as the member registration and things like that, you know, signing the constitution and actually participating on that level and adding it to their existing token contract, which has their staking model. And, and that's like Michael said, as long as it's compatible with the rest of our pieces. And we've done this in a very modular way. So you have the token contract, is separate from the custodial voting contract, is separate from the kind of worker proposal contract. And there's also escrow contracts. There's many, many pieces 
pieces that make this all work. And they were designed in such a way that you can, with the DAC factory hosted approach, you can use our contracts and, and you'll actually have data on chain that's scoped for your account. So you have permission to access your own data and make sure no one else can. Or you can actually say, you know what, I'm going to deploy that particular contract myself and I want to maintain it myself. It kind of depends on the level of technical expertise you have within your team and you know how much drama you want to deal with as far as upgrades and security vulnerabilities and all that kind of stuff. So within the DAC factory tools, is there a timeline on, on when people could expect like the first version that they'll be able to use? Michael and I are laughing because in the last you know year plus that we've been working as a team with EOS DAC, we, it took us about six to nine months to come to the revelation that we really just can't give calendar-based timelines. <laughs> what we can do is we just, as a decentralized autonomous team and working in technologies that are brand new, I mean, we've had to do some amazing things. I've been in tech since 96, and I've seen this team do incredible things working with of base level technologies that are constantly changing EOS IO, EOS JS, Scatter, I mean, all the pieces that are involved, not to mention Node.js and you know everything else. Um, so I think what we've kind of been deciding is we're just gonna talk about what our blockers are and then however long those take and just give updates on those blockers. So right now, currently the blockers are, we've got a, a initial design for the front end for the UX and UI, and we just need to clean that up a little bit. Uh, we have to work on an actual interface for that to collect that information from the customer and put it on chain. And then we, uh, Michael just actually yesterday demoed some really great stuff he's been working on to process that data, create all the contracts, create all the accounts. I mean, that looks like it's pretty, pretty well developed at this point. We may need some automated testing for it just to make sure it does exactly what we expect. And uh, so hopefully we're close, but you know, I've been saying, I've been saying weeks, not months for the last month and a half or two months. So we'll see. So all of the functionality we, we discussed as far as like the custodians, whether or not they'd have stake involved, how many custodians there would be, and also the multi-sig requirements, that will all be like configurable on a front-end interface for any Jabroni to figure out. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's what uh, kind of has me excited because it, it lowers the barrier of entry. Um, we, we talk about the EOS mainnet. We're always dealing with governance issues and debates. And there is always this idea that with EOSIO forks, they'd be able to test different models. And then over time, we could iterate and figure out what works. Well, with, with DAX and DAOs, we're in uncharted territory right now. You guys are the trailblazers. Uh, with, with the DAC factory, when, it, when it's ready and when anyone could toy and experiment with, with this new type of governance, uh, it, it's going to be really exciting because we're going to see the best kind of what, what kind of economics work best, the, the right kind of custodial settings, how it's structured. So I'm excited for that. But as far as someone, if they wanted to start a DAC today, like what, what, what would their first step be? What would step one be of, okay, I'm going to do this. This is all I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to put everything else on the back burner. I'm going to start a DAC as fast as possible. Who, who, what do I do? Where do I go? I would say uh, the, the first step would be join our community. Definitely come into our Discord and come into the Tech and Development channel. You know, get get follow the daily updates that are happening. You know, we have meetings a couple times a week. You know, talking about you know what are the blockers to making this available to everyone. Um, the next piece is, and I've been doing this, like I said, for just in my own consulting for half a dozen different groups, is uh, kind of the basic pieces you'll need, like a logo, a color scheme, your own constitution. So take a look at our 20 page constitution and actually figure out you know, what aspects of it make sense for your DAC. Start thinking about, it's really just kind of an education point. You know, you, even when we get this up and running, you're still gonna have to make decisions of well, how many custodians do I want? And that's kind of a, a tricky 
thing to figure out because you're like, how quickly do I want to move and make decisions? Maybe I just need five people. Maybe I need seven people. Maybe I need 50 people. Maybe, you know, you know we're going to be protecting millions and billions of dollars, let's say. We might want to distribute out that governance to more people. Uh, and then thinking about your permission levels, thinking about the staking amount that we talked about earlier, uh, thinking about your token. How many tokens do you want to mint? You know, how, how do you want to manage that? Uh, so there, there are decisions that have to be made. And, and part of the DAC factories, the challenge in, in putting it out there and making it easy is going to be that education piece. We were just talking about this yesterday. We may need kind of like a preview video explaining the different knobs and levers you get to tweak with. And then when you get to that screen where you're supposed to set that, the design right now we have is, you know, you, you ask for the information on one side and then you have an explanation of what the, you know, the different pieces are here. And the nice thing is pretty much everything can be changed later. Like you could come out the gate with something and later realize your community doesn't like it. And do it via multi-sig, you can go ahead and change those configurations on the DAC, which is great. That's kind of the entire point. And a big part of this, I think, is just enabling evolution in the space, like you said. And I imagine some DACs will, will die and, they, and we will learn from those deaths and we will evolve and create better DACs because of them. And I'm, I'm definitely excited about seeing that happen as well. And as we lower the barrier of entry, it's going to happen more and more frequently and more rapidly. It's going to be great. With the DAC factory, you're not investing like thousands of dollars to get this thing started. You could do a, a little DAC or DAO for your like book club and it's just experimental. You don't get any participation and it dies. That's, that's fine. I, I want to see thousands of those because that, that's how we're going to iterate and come up with, with these good ideas. So I'll, you're providing the tools. So, so step one would essentially be join your community, talk to you guys. Um, what about the legal structure? So as an autonomous corporation, nobody owns it, but we, we, we live in, in the old world still where you, you need to have some sort of representation to sign a contract or, or to, to like sign ownership for your infrastructure, for example. How, how do you guys handle that as EOS DAC? And what do you recommend for other people uh, looking to start a DAC, like where to look for uh, advice on this type of jurisdiction? So the first thing I think is, you know, we're happy to talk to people as they're, you know, making these types of choices. Um, I think the first thing is to like really think about the extent to which you actually do need to engage with um, off-chain structures and fiat, because to the extent that you can actually maintain your operations and what you're doing within crypto, it's probably easier and allows you to remain more true to the kind of actual essence of the project, which is as a DAC. It's really only when you have to start interacting with off-chain structures, institutions, companies, banks, etc., that you then need to kind of create workarounds or create relationships with companies and so on. Um, so yeah, the first thing is just to really ask yourself, you know, can, how much can you just do within crypto? Um, and luckily, that's increasing all the time, you know. Um, and the more that we do that, the more there's more demand for that and the more that ecosystem flourishes. Um, but if for some reason, you know, you do need to use fiat and, um, and you want to be able to contract with external entities, then there may be um, advantages to only contracting with a single service provider and that service provider then going out and procuring your services for you. Um, because as you say, you know, it can be difficult to, um, 
contract with with outside bodies as a DAC. Although you might also be able to, to have other workarounds, like an individual within your project might be able to go off and get the server. You know, mm-hmm. it depends really on the risk involved and you know what you're doing. I think it's easy to kind of over egg um, what's required, and and really it depends on the magnitude of the the of what you're doing, you know, the, the monetary value, um, and also the riskiness of it. You know, we, we were, we are a block producer, which I think in the scale of riskiness is a little bit on the higher end, you know, Mm -hmm. so we had to think about things in a way that if you're a book club, (laughs) you definitely don't, you know, or the vast majority, if you're, if you're even just a collective of developers, you might not be needing to think in that way. So I think it's best to kind of take a deep breath and not assume that you need to uh, put in place really elaborate things. But if you do, then you can look at what we've done. And, and I think there are options. I think for me, it was, it was a learning experience to, mm-hmm. from our lawyers. We have a lawyer in Anguilla, West Indies, and a lawyer in Zug, Switzerland. And, and them explaining the concept of joint and several liability to me was really important because I was, when we talk about a DAC, we talk, you know, Michael was great in, in kind of defining these terms for me as well, but decentralized means no single point of failure. Autonomous simply means that, you know, you have a, an understanding of these contracts that when you put these inputs in, this function is going to run a certain way and you're going to get these outputs and there's no opinions involved. There's no humans involved. It's just that, that autonomous nature is it's going to run as you expect. And then of course the C could be company, corporation, community, whatever you decide. But the, the aspect of no single point of failure Kind of threw me off a little bit when I started talking about you know Decoco as the as the name of the service company that you know, Stack uses, and I was kind of like it was like a month or two of me going I don't know that we need this, but as I learned about how governments today will recognize a DAC, they'll essentially say it's an association or a partnership. It's just like a group of people, and if any one person does something that is disagreeable and they go and run to the authorities, then pretty much everyone who's participating could potentially be liable. And that's that joint and several liability part. I didn't fully understand. And I had to kind of level up a little bit and say, oh, okay, if the, if the DAC is seen as doing business, that could potentially create more challenges. You know, if you can imagine like worker propos- or, uh, you know, workers' compensation or having to have tax withholding and you know, these different things where people look at what the DAC is doing with individuals with worker proposals and call it employment, and therefore, like pushing all that liability to an actual known limited liability corporation that has business insurance, that has lawyers, that has banks and all that kind of stuff. There is now I, I see some value in that. But again, it kind of depends on the scale because that's also really expensive. You know, we, we've got the, the DAC foundation set up, which can support some of these projects. We've got Togoco, which is a service entity, which can support other DACs as well. And we're kind of building a framework with this really expensive stuff, lawyers and insurance, all this stuff, so that hopefully other smaller DACs don't have to put out that type of investment just to get off the ground if they've got a, you know, something more on the risky side that they want to have and, and make sure they're doing correctly. You mentioned work, worker proposals. I think we, we missed that part of the DAC factory. Does someone want to explain like where you're at with your worker proposal system and how that works within your, your DAC system? At the moment, the worker proposal system is in development, so we don't use it ourselves at the moment. Um, we've, it's kind of taken the back burner with the DAC factory just being our major focus at the moment. So um, as soon as we're done with the DAC factory, we're pretty quickly going to be setting up the worker proposal contract, which it's a bit like the multi-sigs that we use now, but it's a lot more uh, in-depth. So you can either approve or deny, and you can't deny using an MSIG. Um, once the worker is agreed to do the work, then the money is sent immediately to an escrow account. Um, <clears throat> and then it's not released from that escrow account until the worker and the DAC both agree that the work has been done to their satisfaction. 
Um, and we've also built in um, an arbitrator there so that if they disagree on whether the work is done, then the arbitrator can have the final decision on whether the funds are released. So it gives workers that guarantee that if they've had their work accepted, that they will get paid as long as they do the work, which is um, agreeable to them and the um, uh, appointed arbitrator. Um, and it also gives the DAC um, sort of confidence that they can pay this person. And as long as the third person agrees, uh, the, the payment will go through. So with worker proposals, with payments being made, uh, what's, what's the tax liability on this, all of this? So from a legal standpoint, that's it, probably a huge gray area, but how, how does all of that get handled, uh, from, from a DAC? Um, so, uh, all the workers are, um, just contractors, freelance contractors. <clears throat> and in general, um, there's no guarantee of how much a worker is going to be paid month on month. It very much depends on what they're actually doing as a deliverable uh, for the DAC in any given period, um, which is very different from a kind of employment structure where people, you know, have an expectation of being paid something month on month. So in our case, it's very much, you know, a worker identifies that there's something that needs to be done. They make that proposal. If it gets approved, then they go away and do it. But most people are getting paid quite different amounts each month. And so uh, that's really for the worker. Their tax liability is, mm -hmm. is for them to, to uh, make sure that they're honoring. So it, the burden's on, on the person accepting the payments, basically? Yeah, as it would be in any local, kind of jurisdictions. Yeah, exactly. What what about and that does go through DeCoco in, in a way that ensures the DAC is not going to be like, for example, there are certain jurisdictions where you have to withhold, you know, withholding tax and things like that. And that can be done directly with each individual who contracts with DeCoco, the service entity. So the service entity basically says, hey, DAC, I'm going to create you know, I'm going to find these workers for you. I'm going to provide this service for you. And they get contracted to do that. And then the service entity then goes out and creates those individual relationships, you know, payroll setups, you know, banking account, direct deposit, you know, anything that depending on how it goes, whether it's fiat or currency or cryptocurrency or anything in between. And that, that enables the DAC to not be seen as doing business in that way. Cause that really is a responsibility of the service entity in the way we've structured it again, because we have to deal with actual fiat. What are, what are some of the most interesting concepts for using a DAC or a DAO that, that you've seen? Well, one of the things I'm personally really excited about is the idea of using DACs for gaming. So there's a passionate group of people that, I mean, literally spend hours and hours and hours a day gaming and they build guilds and fractions and like you know, these little teams within the game ecosystem that they're playing in. And, and there was a recent article about a month or so ago where it was like a multi-million dollar lawsuit going on because these, these people within this guild couldn't agree on the value that they were creating for the guild. You know, it was these big, you know, mega stars on YouTube with, you know, millions of followers talking about their, you know, their Twitch stream gaming and they bring in all this revenue and they're like, wait, that should be mine. You know, you guys are nothing without me. And it was, it was, I was reading the article, someone had sent it to me. I was like, what a great example of how DAX can be used. And so I, I'm actually consulting with a couple of different projects and one of them uh, actually has that idea where within the game interface, you could just click a button to spin up a DAC. And so that's kind of, the long-term vision, I think, of the DAC factory will be kind of a branded uh, tool set for communities like that that want to spin up DACs within their own community and create these sub-DACs. I look at anything that 
models what we see in nature, anything that's fractal has the best opportunity for survival long-term in my opinion. Like otherwise you just, you know, you, you get these systems that just don't grow and they don't, they're not alive. And so I'm, I'm very excited about seeing that. Also like uh, the EOS game prospectors IO is an interesting example because they put on their website and I've actually talked to their admins in Telegram that they are going to run their whole game as a DAC eventually. And the token holders will have influence on how the state uses those taxes that they're currently collecting. When you rent a, a, a plot or, or you, you pay a worker, they take out some fees. And part of what I've been exploring is even just the idea of my little plot that I rented on Prospectors uh, being a DAC itself. And I've actually had members of EOS DAC come and contribute time and resources. And we're kind of like playing around. I built some reports using Defuse and, and just, you know, as a coder, I kind of play with some of this stuff. And it's just really exciting to think, oh my goodness, we could actually play in this kind of, you know, game world before we drop this methodology of governance on our multi-million dollar business, you know? And so that I'm, I'm enjoying the prospect of, you know, simulating some of the aspects of these things within gaming. I think that's going to be huge. I, I think he said the, the word fractal, and I think that's what interests me the most is that we have these very simple or relatively simple contracts and they just do a very small thing. But what happens when we start to chain those together and we start to extend them in ways that we, we don't imagine. So I'm looking to get some good feedback from the community on what exactly they want to do with DAX and how they want to do it slightly differently. Um, and then I'm looking at ways that we can have, yeah, like fractal DAX. So the DAC could have um, a division. So for example, in the EOS DAC, we could split the technical team out to build our own DAC. And then the DAC can give funds to that sub DAC. And then that sub DAC can be semi-autonomous by itself. Um, and that's how we see these, you know, they just we just print the same sort of thing over and over again and then hook them up together and you get these different emergent properties. So um, hashtag yeah, we, DAX on DAX. Exactly. So we're just at the very beginning now. And I think, you know, we've got something that works and it's something that people can use. And um, I'm excited to find out what they actually want to change about it and how they want to like extend it and whether that's possible within what we've designed. Uh, so it's a good test for the design right now. Um, interesting. Hopefully. <laughs> I actually think Liberland and that is the most exciting thing out there right now in terms of DAX and I mean, creating a whole crypto country that is governed by a DAC yeah, is Yeah, that's a trailblazing uh, initiative there. Yeah. Uh, that, that's huge. So the other big DAO project that I'm, I'm sure some of you guys are working on, if not all of you, is the, the EOS DAO, or the, the EOS Alliance reboot into a DAO. What, what's going on with that? Is there any updates that hasn't been published by EOS New York or anyone else? Well, we've, we've spent the last, what, eight weeks or so just basically boiling down how exactly it's going to work we're getting the specs for it and everything and now we've we're at the point where we're writing a technical spec for how it's all going to work uh once that's signed off then i guess we can start building so um, it's still early days a little bit yeah all these things take time because people mm -hmm. say i want a DAC, and then you ask them very specific questions about what they want in a DAC, and they haven't really thought about that so you have to give them time to sort of absorb what these questions mean and how to answer them and if there's more than one person then they have to discuss amongst themselves so i find that that takes the most time it's like exactly what do you want to do with this and how how should we configure it so that uh it serves your needs 
And that, that is, a, 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 like I was saying earlier, a really important educational challenge that we have to face. And we, we're definitely kind of, here's an open call to yourself and others who are creating media for the EOS community to help us with this. And I, I so appreciate being on this call here because it, that's what we're doing. You know, helping people understand what a custodian is, helping people understand, you know, oh, I have to create a constitution? What's that about? How do I come up with that? Helping people understand, well, how many tokens should I have? Or how many custodians should I have? You know, if I want more of a flat deck where every member is a custodian, well, maybe I could have like 50 custodians if my community is 50 people, or if I want just, you know, five custodians. And, and these are all things that are, uh, you know, we've been playing with for over a year. So these concepts are pretty familiar to us, but it's, it's very clear as soon as I talk to someone who maybe has been following the DAC story for a while, the specifics of what's required in our technology stack, it's very clear to me right away. They, they don't fully understand the, you know, the, the, consequences of making a bad decision as far as some of these mm-hmm. go. So they're very often I see very concerned about, oh no, wait, what if I set the threshold incorrectly? What if, you know, like what percentage of the tokens have to vote to launch the DAC as an example? Mm-hmm. You know, we want 15% because EOS went with 15%. But we also later realized like, hey, that was a little too high. We just a broad, yeah, a broad airdrop on people who just could care less. Yeah. And we, we were counting them as as token holders and yet they weren't engaged. And so like, these are different things we've learned through the process. And I think it's just going to be a matter of continually educating people about, it's about a dozen or so different configuration variables and just helping them understand what they are, helping them understand how they impact. You know, if you, if you go this way, you might have this impact. You go this way, you might have that impact. And I think the more we just talk about it and the more examples people can choose from, I think that's a part of the social proof as well. They want to be able to talk to five other companies that have already done it. You know, and maybe they did it five different ways. And once that becomes the norm, I think we'll see this explode much, much faster as people will understand. And those five companies will obviously talk about why they made their decisions, why they went that way, what they learned from the process. And I think it's going to accelerate once we get more people familiar with the pieces involved. I think the other piece, um, which Luke just mentioned, is engagement. So, you know, this is true for many, many projects, but having sustained engagement from community members um, is is something that the DAC kind of superstructure doesn't in itself solve. It can create a sort of focal point initially, but the project itself has to either be earning revenue or it has to, in the case of something like the Alliance DAO, be getting donations in. And, you know, there's a lot of really interesting um, mechanisms that people are looking at for how to ensure that, uh, members of the community stay engaged enough to keep voting, to keep donating, or to keep generating economic activity. Um, and I think that's going to be an important element going forward. Um, you know, also just even things like the barriers to entry from a tech perspective in terms of creating accounts and things like that. You know, in order for this to really make a bigger impact, more and more people have to, it has to be easy for more people to use. So, you know, we're still at the beginning of that journey. And I think that we're going to get better at figuring out how the mechanism of the DAC, which essentially is a kind of way of including more human talent and human potential in any given project, how you actually regulate and manage that and harness it going forward. We, we, you know, these are still things that we haven't really cracked yet. I, I think if like we get to a point and I'm thinking the time frames probably decades, would you guys agree before DACs are like very common? 
would be. I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I love looking at those uh, technology adoption curves and how like over time they just get more and more radically vertical. You know, like how long did it take for a refrigerator to get adopted compared to like a smartphone? So I'm hopeful it's going to move very quickly. Uh, I, you know, as I've been looking into some of this historical research, like realizing that LLCs are, are relatively new. I mean, those were kind of being used in the 70s and, and there are versions of that that sure go back even hundreds of years. But just the ideas that we are putting out there aren't that crazy. I mean, co-ops and all these other cooperatives, they've been around for a long time. I think it's just a matter of providing tooling that makes it all easier. So, so I actually think it's going to hopefully accelerate rather quickly. I mean, we're already seeing in Wyoming and Vermont, they already have like the limited liability DAC. These are legal frameworks that are already being created. And uh, last I heard, there was even one that actually is, is the first legal entity that's using a DAC type of framework that the government recognizes. So I think it could be quicker than normal. And, and again, when you see stuff like what we're seeing here in Puerto Rico, I had a great call this week with someone in Catalonia and Barcelona and just like the unrest that's been going on there for the last couple of years. Like I think people are ready for this. They want transparency in their governance. They want a mechanism to, just like you said, figure out who are all the players involved and what, uh, you know, what, what level of transparency are they really providing us? And they want to avoid the Enron scandals of the world, the corruption of the world, where people can just have multiple sets of books. You know, they, they, I think the blockchain technology, I've heard people tell me they've not been excited about blockchain or cryptocurrency until they saw the DAC model. And then they said, okay, this is the first use case that I fully understand that is really important. This transparency, this accountability, the mechanism for the stakeholders to participate on a deep level. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be spending the last year working so hard on all this stuff if I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. I think it's going to actually change the world. So everyone in blockchain knows what it's like to talk about blockchain to people who are not blockchain people. So what is it like talking to non-blockchain people about DAX? Like, what is their reactions? I, I've given a number of talks on this now, uh, conference talks and just like, you know, meetup talks. And, and again, I, I like to use the simple framework of it's a group of people with a shared goal. And once I frame it that way, people go, okay, yeah, I can see that. So nonprofits, governments, you know, businesses, they're all a group of people with a shared goal. And then I just try to talk about the kind of tooling, you know, we're here on this amazing video call, but we're not thinking about TCP IP and encryption and compression algorithms for video codecs and like all the things that make this happen. We don't care. And I think eventually it's going to, once the DAC factory gets out there, it'll be very similar. It'll just be like, oh, here's the tool I use to my, take my group of people, whether it's a bowling club or whatever, to, that have a shared goal to run a community a certain way. Here's the tool I can use to make that work better. Because all the drama we have in our HOA or whatever, you know, is, you know, can go away if you could just grab your phone and be like, oh, okay, vote, 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 I'm done, I move on with my day. And so I think it's going to be less about trying to explain uh, Byzantine fault tolerance and, you know, these, these details of cryptocurrency consensus algorithms and voting, you know, all this craziness. And it's just going to be like, yeah, you know, like, like these tools just work and you just use them. And, and I think that'll be the key. And it'll only be the, you know, the core technologists who really want to peel under the hood and look at the details and say, wait, wait, is this really decentralized? Is this really, you know, cryptographically secure? Is it all these things? And, and, and that's why I'm so excited to have incredible people like Michael on the team, because like we're, we're leading the industry in that regard, doing it right, understanding permissions correctly and all that kind of stuff. So that when they do peel it apart, they're going to see it's legit, but that's not going to be our, we don't have to lead with that. We can lead with just, Hey, look, it makes things easier. And that's why it matters. I remember the first guy I told about EOS DAC and, I went through the whole story, you know, we dropped all these tokens and then we allow these people to vote for us and we're not in control of it until these people vote us in. And 
And he just looked at me like, you're insane. And he's literally said, you're crazy. Like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? Um, so since then, I, I don't really talk to people much about Dax. So <laughs> I think like, I think like Luke says, we're, we're going we're gonna to demonstrate it with the software and we'll just show them, look, this is what we do. You do this, you do this, you vote for things, money gets sent. And then that, that really kind of, it makes sense to people when they can see something working. Um, all of our descriptions don't seem to work very well on the normal <laughs> people we're, we're making progress though like i said I, I've, I've given a number of talks on this and mm. i feel i'm getting better at it as i go and it's i'm getting to the point where people are now approaching me constantly saying hey i get it all and i want to do it where do i sign up you know people are, are passionate about they know enough to know this is a, a a solution that's real to a lot of the problems they currently face and as an entrepreneur whenever i see a situation where there's a very real need in the marketplace that people are willing to spend time and energy on that's that's an opportunity. That's a place where we can provide value. And so I'm, I, I'm confident enough that as we get examples out there and we just continue to get better at explaining how this benefits them, uh, it's, it's going to get easier to understand. But it is. And I tell this to people across the board as far as the blockchain space. It's like the mid-90s. You know, it's just very complicated to use the Internet in the mid-90s. And that's kind of where we're at with the blockchain space. It's just very complicated. But there are cool projects like FIO and others that are going to make using cryptocurrency easier. And, and I think it's just a matter of time. It's complicated. And I think the other feature is it's um, volatile. So, you know, our revenues are all over the place. And, you know, if you're somebody that needs, I remember describing it to one of my friends when I started working on this project that I had like entered the chart, you know, the, the price chart. And that was, <laughs> so, you know, I think that like, currently in, in blockchain in general, and I guess in EOS and in this project, you know, you have to have a bit of a risk tolerance and, um, or at least you know, it's okay to, to be a little bit not okay with risk, but, but to be able to manage that and, uh, and still to kind of keep building and keep going. So, um, yeah, I think that over time as the space just grows in scale, um, it will become less volatile and then we'll be able to have more people involved who have different appetites for risk. But currently I would say it's kind of um, a group of people who are kind of okay to have the future be very unknown, which is, I think, why everyone that works on this project is so great and <laughs> why we get along well. <laughs> so, so the whole point of this call uh, was to kind of get an idea of how to get started. What, what, things, what type of things should people be thinking about to get started with their DAO? There's a lot more thought that goes into it than just going to the ES DAX site and thinking you're going to get started in a weekend. I learned that very quick. Uh, even after talking to you guys, I, I still know that there's miles to go. So what's next for ES DAC, the block producer? What's next for ES DAC, the, 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 the member client? Blog production is busy at the moment. There's the 1.8 upgrade going on. So we have to upgrade all of our software. Um, all the other smaller chains are deciding to go to 1.8 as well. So they're all upgrading. So uh, we're on Wax Chain, we're on Boss, uh, we're on uh, EOS, obviously. Um, and Warbly as well. Warbly as well, yeah. Knew there was one I was missing. Um, so yeah, they're going really well. I think that the the little chains or the smaller side chains or sister chains, I think they're all going to sort of start coming into their own now. They're they're going to start showing their differences. And Boss has just done their three second lib upgrade, literally just before we joined. Um, nice. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. Um, 
And just because Michael won't show himself enough, I want to make it a point that Michael Yates has been instrumental in a lot of these communities. And I've just seen it myself. They turn to Michael because he, he understands the code. He has the experience and he has the expertise. And it's one of the it's one of the reasons I'm very excited to be part of this team, because I know we have a solid technical team as far as our block production capabilities. And it's one of the reasons that, you know, I hope that the token holders who think about the long term value of EOS will respect us as a great choice as block producer, because we're community owned and operated decentralized, a fractal of EOS in that sense. And yet we still have we've been able to attract incredible talent like Michael. So our member client is members.eosdac.io. And if you have any EOS DAC tokens, then you should go there and register as a member and vote for the custodians and get involved. Even if you don't have many tokens, I think it's, it's fun to be involved in this, this experiment that we're doing. Um, I would also say to that too, uh, I know of a number of projects that want to incentivize all the EOS DAC members that have enabled the DAC technology to exist. So there are potential, and I'm just, this is not financial advice, but there's potential that you might be able to be the beneficiary of certain airdrops that want to reward that community. So if you do come to the member's client, you sign up, you participate, uh, who knows what could happen in the future. But ultimately it's like a marketing expense for other DACs who are gonna spend money to get awareness anyway. They've been realizing if they airdrop on the EOS DAC community, they immediately get thousands of people that understand DACs, want to support DACs, and will be their potentially best clientele for the launching of their DAC. So it's uh, it, it definitely a, a neat ecosystem to think that our community members could get rewarded just by supporting us as they have been. And the other thing is um, get involved as a custodian. If you would like to be involved in this experiment in governance, we have a really great custodian board and um, we're, you know, always looking for more really high caliber custodians. So if you have some EOSDAC, register and then put yourself up to be a custodian. Awesome. Brock, Brock just got super involved with you guys recently, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, his yeah. his proxy, the Brock Pierce one proxy, has been involved. So that includes uh, Ben Sigmund and, and others, and it's 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 been really really fun. And so you know, I'm here in Puerto Rico, so it's been really fun, especially in the last week or so, just connecting with their team, uh, connecting with with so many different things that Brock is involved in, and it's uh, it's really to me a testimony and an honor to know that here's people that have really defined a lot of the things that we take for granted within the cryptocurrency space. I mean, he came over for dinner well, along with his <clears> wife and their daughter and like their whole team here at the house that where we're at in Cagos. And it was just so amazing to hear all the stories of things he's been involved in. And yet he's saying what you guys are doing is super important. <laughs> you know, his talk at the Tulip conference, it was like, He's like, I was supposed to talk about this. Forget about that. I want to talk about DAX. And he did this whole talk on DAX with a good five solid minutes on EOS DAX. And it was just amazing. That's awesome. So when people want to get involved, I, I didn't learn this until recently. You guys have Telegram groups, but the action happens in Discord. Is that safe to say? Yes, definitely. The, the Discord system enabled us to have the separate rooms and even the separate roles and permissions that we couldn't quite get with Telegram. And we also like the ability, there's a bot we have there where you could tie your EOS account to your Discord account, which could give you access to the membership area. That's awesome. So uh, anyone watching, you can check them out, esdac.io. Join the Discord.